Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. We're sorry we weren't able to come to you last week, but we had a bit of an emergency. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and last week, my co-host, Ellie Mistal, was going blind. I can see now! I'm glad that you uh, got through that. It was kind of harrowing. I had an emergency eye appointment, which doesn't usually happen, you know, absent getting stabbed in the eye. Um, but I went in, I needed new glasses, I went in for a checkup, and they were just like, your eye pressure is... Oh my goodness! And I'm like, what? What does that mean? We don't know. And I'm like, what the hell? So to go in, they were like, cataract, glaucoma, and this, and da, da. I just have I have high blood pressure, and apparently I now have high blood pressure in my eyes. Yeah, That's, and part of it was the strain, right? Because you haven't gotten new glasses of, in of living under Donald Trump. America. Well, yes, yes. I, I meant the, I meant the glasses part uh, that you haven't gotten new ones in years. I'm yes. This is my first new pair of eyeglasses um, in five years which they told me was too long. Yeah, that is, in fact, too long. You're supposed to do that more often. Well, we're glad that you're not blind, even though, like, the Nick Fury eye patch would have been cool. (laughs) Yes, Uh, so I can see. And you know what I saw this week? Oh, wow. Masterful transition, yes. Um, It would have been better if I had seen it actually this week, but actually I saw it last week. Uh, (laughs) See, you're letting the magic die. Yeah, Yeah. uh, um, I'm all about keeping it real. Um, The Supreme Court is about to ruin uh, the census. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if people are aware of this exactly. I think most people are aware that right now um, there's a case um, up for review. It's been argued already in front of the Supreme Court about whether or not the United States government can add a question to the census. They want to add a citizenship question um, just so people can check whether or not they are citizens. Somewhat obviously, uh, this is expected to lead to an undercount of predominantly uh, uh, Latino, non-white, Hispanic of, of voters, um, people who are citizens but don't want to give the government kind of any more information on them, certainly people who are not citizens and don't want to give the government any kind of information on them, even though that will not be true, even though there's no um, um, ability for the government to use this information against you, the thought is that this will scare people from filling out the census forms. One of the reasons why you need to fill out the census form is that even if you're not a citizen, it counts. Uh, you get services, cities and counties and, and polities get services based on how many people are living in them, um, citizen or non-citizen. Um, so it's important for services in your community for you to be counted, but the Republicans don't care. And that's where we got, that's what came out last week um, from a dead man's hard drive. Uh um, a, a former Republican operative who died, um, one of their key uh, gerrymanders, Thomas Hoffler, um, it came out that he wanted the citizenship question on the census specifically because he said it would increase the voting power of Republicans and non-white Hispanics. He said that actually in an email for why they need to have the census question um, included, which is the complete opposite of the government's argument defending the sentence. The government defended the census to the Supreme Court on the grounds that it would help Latino uh, voter counting. Um, this is clear evidence that the intention is to hurt Latino um, representation, and we don't know what the court is going to do. Most likely, the court will not even agree that this evidence is part of the record, since the case has already been argued. And even though we now have direct evidence of discriminatory intent, one of the things that the conservatives on the court are fond of doing 
is finding alternate reasons for discriminatory laws to be constitutional, even if that is not the argument the government made. And so it's entirely likely that in a close 5-4 decision, um, John Roberts and the rest of the conservative cronies will allow for a explicitly racist question to be included on the United States Census. Cool. That, that doesn't seem to bother you as much as I, I was. No, I mean, it, 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 it's very bad. I, the census makes no sense. It should be turned to statistical models, which are more accurate anyway. But uh, I totally agree yeah, that we should yeah. be statistically. But that's another Supreme Court interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've interpreted the Constitution as requiring a direct count as opposed right. to allowing for statistical right. sta- sampling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, um, no, it's it's not good. Yeah. True. Cool. So okay. this guy um, who died had this email. Right. It was on his hard drive. Email. Okay. So, yeah. So he's not around anymore. So he's not getting any messages that might be coming his way. (laughs) But if, and I think you know where this is going, if you're missing calls, if you're spread too thin, interruptions kill your productivity, but clients demand a quick response. The U.S.-based professional receptionists at Smith AI help law firms screen new clients and schedule appointments by phone and website chat. Plus, Smith AI integrates with your software, including Clio and LawPay. Plans start at just $60 per month. Get a free trial at smith.ai. That wasn't as seamless as some of my transitions. Yeah, because it's hard, it's hard to, uh, to promote a messaging service um, for a dead guy. Yeah, true. But it's interesting, though. There is a transition that is kind of more natural. We're talking about emails and where they should be stored. Uh, and so <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk to our guest today, we have Ryan Stedman from Zero. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you, Jim. So... I go to a lot of these tech shows. Uh, you don't as much, Ellie. You cover other stuff. But I go to these shows, and I've been seeing this product over and over at shows and, and sitting down with folks and getting demos. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about it and why I kind of wanted to bring you all on today is to talk about – we talk a lot about how technology is not being adopted by lawyers and they're Luddites and yada, yada, yada. But one of the things that I find about your solution – and that kind of changes the way I think about it is one thing that you do is kind of take it out of the hands of a lawyer having to choose to adopt something by basically, instead of showing a lawyer, here's a new thing you can do, you kind of make it for lack of a better term, boring again, as in you, you set up a system where it does it for you. You don't, it run, it kind of in the background fixes things so that you don't, uh, you don't need to be bothered with it. Uh, so can you explain a little bit about what your product does? Sure, Joe, absolutely. So the design goal with Zero was to build an application that looks like, behaves like, and has very similar characteristics to an application that lawyers are typically very used to, and that is Apple Mail. So we built an application that looks like Apple Mail. The only difference is, is that it is not Apple Mail, it's Zero Mail. And if you consider the day in the life of a lawyer or any professional or knowledge worker, there's a lot more things that they need to do by way of engaging with client correspondence, getting involved in a variety of uh, phases, tasks, and activities in their day-to-day matter management of working on behalf of clients. And there were very few tools that were available to them that were engineered specifically for a day in the life of a lawyer. So we have built a piece of tech that isn't difficult to understand because everyone knows what email is about. We 
typically interact with an enormous amount of information, and a large part of that is delivered and consumed through email applications. What we've done differently is introduce another layer of automation in the background that does things almost invisibly for lawyers. So a couple of examples, the ability to file an email into a document management system. Uh, everyone who's been practicing law or who is a practitioner would typically understand the uh, the requirements around compliance, good governance, collaboration, and sharing emails and documents with their colleagues and peers uh, internally. But there's never been an easy way to file a simple email into a document management system on a mobile device. So that's the starting point is the ability to with a simple touch of a button, have lawyers file emails uh, for compliance purposes into the respective workspaces predictively. And if you consider how many micro decisions we all need to kind of make day to day, you can outsource that micro decision making mechanism to a piece of tech. It's a good place and it's an invisible place for um, you know well thought out technology to exist. That's one use case. There are a handful of others, of course. Yeah. So when I was a lawyer, you, you get a million and one emails, and it's your job to do one of two things. Either manually go through and take each of these emails and put them in the place where they're supposed to be for record-keeping purposes, or if you're kind of tech-savvy, you waste a lot of time setting up a rule that makes sure it goes to the right place. But, you know, you've, you've done that, and that takes some time, but at least it makes it automatic going forward. And kind of what your system does with the help of kind of some learning learning tech is it goes through and ma- kind of makes that decision for you. You get an email from somebody, it can figure out, this is the general counsel from the, this matter, you've been working on this matter, we're going to file it to this matter unless you tell us not to, which just kind of takes that task that used to be a big time suck for me and just kind of did it automatically. That's precisely it. So if you, if you remove some of the administrative friction that you're describing from the day in the life of a lawyer, they can focus their time elsewhere on more value-generating activities for clients, whether that be billing more or looking for other areas of value to engage their clients on, you know, looking for potentially cross-sell or cross-working opportunities uh, across the wider organization of their clients. So those traditional administrative and cognitive drags don't allow any lawyers to, to bill for their time. Um, and if you, you know, stand back for a second and figure out, you know, what are, what are the more profitable, profitable law firms doing when contrasted with their less profitable firms, the first camp of more profitable firms who are dynamic are investing in technology. They're removing some of that um, manual administrative drag and outsourcing it to, to machines. And those firms are largely more profitable, not because they're increasing their rates, but because they're capturing more billable time. And they're able to substantiate that as well. Does it come with a shredder? Um, <laughs> right, one of, you know, because one of the things you're always kind of worried about uh, when when you're in, the the Luddite enemy, right? Like I hear that the the system is going to tell me where this needs to be filed, and that should go that should be attached to this case, and that should go in that. And maybe I don't want all the client emails going to <laughs> to the file. Maybe there are a couple of them I want to make sure don't end up in the file. And that's that's just on a need to know basis. You know what I'm saying? So like, what kind of I guess you know the shredder's a joke, but like what kind of opt out do you have with the system to, to kind of tell the machine not to put something 
uh, where it thinks it's supposed to? It is entirely user-driven. So what we learned very quickly in our journey uh, after interviewing hundreds and hundreds of lawyers uh, is that they always need to and ought to have the final say-so with almost anything. So the, uh, the choice to file an email into a certain location is entirely up to uh, the user, him or herself, simply by touching an icon. Conversely, a lawyer is also able to change where that email should be filed if that's what they want to do. So it's certainly not you know, forced onto the user. Uh, they do have that final touch uh, on, on where that email does get filed ultimately. That's, that seems useful. And then can you talk a little bit about the cybersecurity aspect of it? Like what's the, what kind of, you know, because put like this, one of the reasons why lawyers are always afraid of Gmail, Apple Mail, um, and one of the reasons why Outlook has, has hung on um, for as long as it has is that is the feeling that Outlook is more secure. It's not, but we feel that it is. Um, and, and we're always afraid that Gmail is going to, you know, put our confidential data just out all, you know, once you put it up into the cloud, who knows where it goes? What, so what kind of cybersecurity is built into the product? Well, the application is on the user's device. So zero mobile email client is on the user's device already. So it fits inside of the law firm security perimeter. Um, and typically email is either on exchange, which is inside of a law firm's demilitarized zone or inside of a law firm's perimeter, or it is in the cloud. So Zero doesn't really need to be cybersecurity specific or, or defensive because it snaps in to the existing infrastructure of a law firm. And law firms are spending you know, hundreds of thousands, if not several millions of dollars a year, um, ensuring that they have you know, good cybersecurity systems in place. How the application is deployed to users mobile devices is through typically a mobile device management solution, an MDM, um, and the application is containerized and highly secure based not just on the MDM security protocols, but also it inherits uh, the native Apple security protocols as well. So the application is encrypted. And of course, any other variations to encryption like dual factor or multi-factor authentication is inherited by the application too, which is an important feature because not only are you, you know, having client matter details um, available on your, your, your iOS device, uh, but you're also able to capture time spent interacting with those client-related emails as an additional use case that Zero has. So uh, security has been you know, one of the cornerstones of building the application because we know that it's a very sensitive environment uh, that the application is typically used in. That makes a lot of sense. So how did you get into this? How did you come to realize that there is this uh, uh, market opportunity and problem um, with how uh, law f lawyers sort their emails? Well, I, I wish I could take some credit, but in fact, I can't. Um, three of my good colleagues, who are the three co-founders of the business, have been involved in machine learning uh, and building some very interesting tech for a number of years. I'll start off with uh, one of the co-founders who, in fact, was the guy who developed the code for cancer image detection recognition on MRI devices. And if you consider that no patient data should ever be shared uh, with anyone, that's where the embryonic idea started, was uh, basically building 
artificial intelligence or autonomous artificial intelligence on a device that could interrogate, understand, and recognize patterns. So one of the co-founders had that uh, concept, principle, and had built the code. Um, One of the other co-founders recognized that there was just this enormous problem with digesting and consuming email. And like, I guess, BlackBerry bought email to your pocket, Apple bought the internet to your pocket, Zero has bought artificial intelligence to your pocket, specifically dealing with an extraordinary amount of data and a lot of the manual processes that lawyers typically, um, you know, uh, spend time interacting with their emails by way of filing emails, managing their inbox, creating time entries, so on and so forth. So we like to think that we've had something to do with bringing AI to your pocket. And because the artificial intelligence and the code um, is on the device itself, uh, there's no need for any back-end infrastructure or cloud services, which makes it even more secure than what you were describing earlier, Joe, by way of Gmail and its hackability. Is is there any interest in expanding into uh, text texting and and WhatsApp and all that kind of stuff? Because you know it's been a while since Joe and I were in the firm, but I would <laughs> I would imagine you know back back in our day when a client wanted to find you at twelve o'clock at night, they would email you. Um, and like you said, you would have your Blackberry and, you know, your, we used to call them Crackberries and, and, and that was your, that was your life. Now I imagine that, you know, as you get a really high profile client, they've got your number that I imagine they're texting you, um, sometimes with literally important information on, on what appears to be the most insecure way possible. So, um, are there any interests, uh, do you, does the company have any interest in expanding into text management? Is text management even a thing? <laughs> That's a great question. And conceptually, I see we could potentially get there, but the demand to file emails certainly, um, you know, supersedes the, the, the need to file emails. So right now we're, you know, still perfecting parts of the application. We started with email. It's evolved into the ability to automatically and passively capture time uh, spent interacting with client-related email. There are a handful of other really interesting things that we do have on our roadmap, and it's largely driven by client demand, which probably wouldn't surprise you either. Um, we haven't fielded many uh, requests for filing text messages into DMS, but it certainly is possible. You know, we'll get there when uh, when the market indicates that we uh, we should start expanding, you know, some of the feature set. Yeah. One thing you said about bringing AI to the pocket that kind of sticks with me is, when you go to these shows and talk to lawyers, they're scared of AI. It's this thing they don't really understand and they get spooked by it. And I think part of that is also that for years, people built up AI as this hype machine that it was going to do all these things that isn't really the practical way in which it works. And what one thing that's useful about your system is, is it kind of shows what AI really is, which is neither this world-ending uh, horrible thing that people need to be scared of that's going to replace lawyers, nor is it, you know, doing your legal job for you. It, it It's a tool, and it's a tool that can be used to give you some extra time. Uh, and I think one thing that I kind of feel is that products like yours are, are in that line of steps that need to be taken for people to grow comfortable with the idea of artificial intelligence, to understand kind of what it does and doesn't do, and that, you know, Hey, yeah. just have a little AI. Yeah. It's not going to hurt your kid. It's not going to hurt you. That's what it's like when you go to some of these shows. Like, 
There's certain companies who are like, oh, just buy yourself some AI, as though that means anything. But like, it's it's this practical how it can actually help you that is necessary to kind of get people comfortable, I think. I entirely agree with you, Joe. You know, AI as a concept and as an academic principle is nothing new. You know, it's been around for, you know, for decades. The wrinkle in legal over the last, you know, X number of years is that it's been kind of cool to say that you've invested in a piece of AI. Uh, It gives certain firms bragging rights. It lets partners, you know, market that to their clients and they look like the new kids on the block. Um, But at the genesis um, of introducing AI to the legal industry, nobody could quite figure out precisely what problems it solved. You know, so um, we, we kind of started the other way around when we started building Zero. What are the problems that needed to be solved? Let's initiate some design-led thinking in how we build the application. And importantly, let's build something inside of an application that people are already familiar with. And let's start there. And let's start introducing some incremental changes, some incremental email technique changes, behavioral changes. And let's also focus on giving some of the, you know, the the kind of meaning back to being a lawyer and what it's about. Being a lawyer isn't about filing emails or managing your inbox or crafting or reconstructing time entries. It's really about applying the faculties of your mind to client-related problems. So that's where we've had a lot of good interest. Um, There's a lot of trust in the application because it's familiar. And we're just seeing a lot of adoption and increase in usage based on familiarity. And when I mean familiarity, I mean the user interface, the user experience, the ability to simply touch a button and to see what happens as a result within milliseconds. You know, it's uh, it's not a an AI big black box that nobody quite knows, you know, what that tunnel or what that journey looks like. Nobody knows if there are any ethical issues or, you know, issues of, of conflict when you have different packets of data landing in different parts of client-related files. It's a very pure play piece of AI that does nothing more and nothing less than provide incremental change to users by way of automating and streamlining some of the business process that processes that they're uh, simply drowning by. You know, um, email being one of the uh, one of the largest issues, according to a lot of uh, recent research and, and studies, uh, in particular the one recently by Alta. You know, email management is one of the biggest bugbears and burdens that are. Uh, you know, I'd say I'd even go so far as to say creating some mental health issues. You know, um, the, the enormous strain of interacting with email, communicating by email and and um, synthesizing that email and, and providing appropriate responses is um, is overwhelming. Not mental health issues for me. I just have eyesight problems. Yeah, yeah, right. You're, you're, <laughs> your issues are different. We don't field nearly as many emails anymore. Very true. And uh, I've seen the demo for this, so I actually have some understanding of exactly how user-friendly it is. Uh, most of the demos involve long text, long exchanges between Bond and Moneypenny, in my experience. But uh, at least all the ones I've seen, that's been the uh, the setup. So, Cool. Well, thanks for joining us and talking with us a little bit about what you're doing and AI in general. 
You're welcome. You're welcome. It's uh, very good to be part of your show and uh, appreciate the time and carving out an opportunity for us to share what we're doing with you and your audience. Of course, yeah. Now I'm, I'm sure I'll see you all uh, at a show soon. Summer's got a few of them. Where's Zilta this year? Uh, Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, Disney World. House of the Mouse. Yeah, Sweet. it's literally on, it's like in the swan. It's like on Disney property. So yeah, it's going to be fun. That's awesome. Um, anyway, so... Thanks for joining us. Thanks, all of you, for listening. Thanks to Smith AI for sponsoring. Uh, you should be subscribed to the podcast. You should be giving it reviews, not just the stars. Write something, too, that helps with the algorithm, uh, pointing at people, more people to the show. Uh, you should be listening to all the offerings of the Legal Talk Network. You should listen to the offerings of uh, Above the Law podcast-wise, which uh, we have uh, the Jabot and I think – another Others. one coming yeah i don't know if i can announce the other one anyway so there's more you know keep an eye out for it uh be reading above the law be lit following us on twitter i'm at joseph patrice he's at lenyc and with all of that we will talk to you next time don't go five years without getting glasses kids true true all right if you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.